0: Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in February of 2023.
1: And welcome to episode 98. Why would someone return to the classroom in
0: 2023? Um, You are not Karina, are you?
1: No, I sure am not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So listeners, Karina is off with her daughter in, I think she's in Atlanta, and her daughter's doing a dance showcase. So I asked her if I could still record. She said yes. I said I'll find a guest that we both know, and it's our friend Carrie Denote. So Carrie, thank you for recording with me this morning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. I couldn't wait to actually come on because when you first asked me, I thought, why would anybody want to hear about this? And then I thought, you know, I sent you uh, my Twitter analytics and a lot of people responded to the tweet that I was going back into the classroom. And I thought this really hit a chord with a lot of people.
0: (laughs) It does. And, and so I wanted to, um, so listeners, I saw the tweet that Carrie had put up that she was going back into the classroom. And I was like, why would she want to do that? So this is just going to be an informal conversation. And I thought, why not just share it with everybody? So Carrie, first of all, uh, I'm going to let listeners know you and I became Twitter friends before we became face to face friends. And I was thinking about it this morning. I think we finally met face to face at the FCTM Daytona. I think it was Daytona or Jacksonville conference. I don't remember. I think it was
1: Jacksonville. It was Jacksonville because you were doing
0: selfies. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, I get to meet my Twitter friends in real life, you know? <laughs> and then um, our friendship just blossomed from there, didn't it? Yes, it did. (laughs) Okay. Can you tell everybody that about the tweet that you had sent out?
1: Yeah, sure. I just had, I had put that I was returning to the classroom after um, 10 years of being outside of a, a homeroom. I had, I've spent the last 10 years either in a math lab. I did intervention for almost half of that. And I did school based coaching and then I was at the district coaching um, for the last two years. So it was something that, uh, you know, after experience, after experience, I was coming back into um, all of a sudden jump back in the classroom and I I really never thought I was going to do that again. And uh, just watching things evolve that the way the way that they are in education. um, I think a lot of everybody was fleeing in the other direction. So. So when I posted that, it, it, that was that was the reaction I got was congratulations. There was a lot of congratulations, um, but that's what I tweeted is you know it's been ten years and I'm going to go back in the classroom.
0: <laughs> wow, I, I can't wait to dive into this a little more. And you're not the only one. I I've seen people that have gone even all the way up through principalship and have gone back into the classroom. And I I didn't get to ask ask that person why. So. Um, here's where we're going to get into the meat of things. So why do you feel like you're, you're, I don't know, like, are you needed more in the classroom or you're just like, I'm done with the district politics or all
1: of that. And then some, (laughs) yeah. And it was kind of split because I, so I have three kids and two of them are in high school and one was a bonus baby. (laughs) So he was born eight years you know, later. And um, he actually was staffed in kindergarten to have developmental delays, and then we went on from there, and he was um, identified as having autism spectrum disorder. So, And for those of you that don't know, uh, there are a lot of different reasons kids are identified to be on the spectrum. So in his case, he has language delays and he has uh, sensory processing disorder. So everything is amplified for him. His hearing, his smell, his sight. I could come in the house and say, where's Andrew? And from the other side of the house, downstairs around a corner, he's like, I'm right here. Like he can hear, feel, see everything, taste everything. So I have had the last 10 years of learning lessons from him about what education has been like for kids with an IEP. And as he is approaching testing grade levels. I don't like, ha- I didn't like what I was seeing. Um, I don't like what I see when I go into most <laughs> inclusion classrooms. Sorry, I'm outside. So that's gonna <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> so I didn't, I, like in most, I think every teacher, I think it's important to say, I think every teacher is doing their best. And we've gotten into the habit of saying things about kids in an inclusion room, like these low babies, I just can't, they just can't do this. Or, you know, um, they're, they're never going to be able to get to X, Y, and Z mark. And, you know, there are always kids there. There's so many kids that struggle and there's so many resources, but I also understand that there, there's not always time to explore all those resources. And it's a catch 22.
0: I saw that you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that you're going into a fourth grade classroom. Yes. Is it going to be self-contained or is it going to be departmentalized?
1: No, it's going to be fourth grade departmentalized. So I'll have two sections of math and science okay. and I'll be able to. So next year when my son goes into fourth grade, I was hoping to have him in my class.
0: Okay. Um, so that was another question I was going to ask. Are you going to be at the same school?
1: Yeah, currently I actually switch schools. No, this is at a new school and I'm taking my son with at the you. end of the year. He'll, yeah, he'll finish out this year where he is and then he'll go to the school with me. Okay,
0: and have you already worked at that school that you're going to?
1: Only in the capacity as their district coach.
0: Okay, so as you went in as a district coach and you saw the teachers doing their thing, what switch went in your mind and said, I need
1: to to start working here? Well, they had the um, the, the school struggles, Um, not because they don't have awesome teachers, but just because it's such a high need area and they get a lot of grant money. um, But, you know, money can't buy time or um, mental health and money can't buy physical health. And so that's, you know, they're hitting burnout. And there was a teacher that, that quit. She resigned. So I had been going into a classroom, and I the, the class is an inclusion classroom, and without going too much into the details about the class, they just needed a teacher. And actually, one of them, I had tutored before. She had moved schools, and I knew her. And so I looked at her face, and she gave me a big hug, and I was like, I can't walk back out of this room and go back to you know, trying to coach a long term sub because honestly, in the last year, that's what my job has become is trying to help the teachers that are left survive their classroom, but also helping other people who might be long term subs or in some other capacity teaching in that classroom. So I just decided I just need to come in here and teach at least until the end of the year and see what's happening. And it gives me a chance. I've spent 10 years, I went back to school, I got another master's, I had been coaching. You see other people's classrooms and you learn all this information and you go to conferences and I'm like, I really want to try out a lot of these <laughs> strategies. I'm so, ex-. like I need a full-blown class to do some of these things, like building a thinking classroom and really digging into the five practices and um, using those with the, and proving that these kids in this room can do these things. At the same time.
0: I think that's what I'm most excited for you about because one of the things I was gonna ask you was like what resources are you most excited about implementing? So you already said BTC and five practices. Are there any other like little gems that you can't wait to get into with your students? Um,
1: well, I <laughs> it's funny because I'm creating a wish list on Amazon now because it's kind of like you know, when you have a kid way later than your first group of kids, you you run out of all the baby stuff. Right. So I had given away a lot of my things, or you know, just repurposed them or something. And so I, I'm creating this wish list, and I'm I went to Math for Love and got some put some resources from from him, uh, from that group, the the games and the cards, and um, Graham Fletcher. Um, I can't wait to use some of his things in there. I want to get one of his. Uh, him and Tracy Zager's fluency kids. And also, you know, having read Tracy Zager's, um, becoming the math teacher you wish you had, there are so many resources in there that are just fun math things. Like go explore a Mobius strip. Is it a fourth grade benchmark? No, it isn't, but I'm not assessing it. I'm just going to let you play with it and see what you can discover. Um, and those kinds of things, and there's just a list. I I want to get on Mathagon. I want to use Braining Camp. I want to, and we have one to run one to one devices. Rolling out the day that I start, my kids are supposed to do a one to one device rollout. So I I really just want to get them on things that they can explore and play with the math.
0: Okay, so you're going to start when
1: uh, the twenty first of February.
0: Since you haven't started yet. What I really want to know is about time. How much time do you have or will you have with your each of your math classes? Or is it completely split 50-50 between math and science?
1: No, the math and science time will be the same. There's an hour block for math and 30 minutes for science. So I'm trying to think of, obviously, I'm trying to think of uh, STEM things. Like what... What elements of math can I highlight within the science block? Because that's making those connections is really important. <laughs> if I'm talking about vertical number lines in math class, then um, we need to be measuring things in beakers, you know, for and making that connection of why a vertical number line is even important. You know, why <laughs> I'm not just putting it up and down for fun. There's a right. purpose to it, right? <laughs> and Helping them make those coordinates, I don't, uh, or connections, I should say, to coordinate planes. You know, I have a horizontal number line and I work with a vertical number line and, oh, look how they work together in a coordinate plane. So that the class time is split, but I do have more time in the day with my homeroom just because I have to do all the other mandated things like computer lab and lunch and, uh, you know, MTSS and all those things.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I really want to know now about The test. So how do you think (laughs) that you're going to feel trying to, and I know you're just envisioning this, but trying to figure out how to teach all the standards by the time the test comes, do you feel like you're going to be like pressure, 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 pressure? Or are are you like, eh, you know, whatever happens this year happens because technically it's the baseline year. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so coming in in February, that's it's not the first time I've taken over a class in the middle of the year. However, I'm not worried about a test. If I teach math in a meaningful, authentic way, the test will follow. Whatever they do, they will it will follow. If I can teach kids how to problem solve, if I can get them to pay attention and decode word problems on their own, and when I say decode, I do not mean cubes. I mean going through and acting out the context of a math problem so that they understand with manipulative. So they understand what's going on in the problem. And hopefully I know that sounds like, you know, big ideas and people might be thinking, we haven't been in the classroom in 10 years, but I did do intervention for quite a few years and the kids can do these things. If I can just worry about good math instruction, everything else will take care of itself. And honestly, I'm coming back into the classroom In my life, what I think is a really good time in my life, because I, as a first year teacher, actually the first five years, worried about getting getting it all in. And now I don't care because I know what's best practice and I'm going to do what I think is best for the kids based on my experience of 22 years and my education and my research. And I've done more reading on this and on some programs and stuff. So I feel like I'm in a good place to say, no, I don't think that I'm going to do that. Whatever it it is, and it could be a bunch of things. And um, when I get back, the first thing that they do, I told you, was the rollout. And then the next thing, I think two days later, we have to go and take an iReady test. Oh, of course. So they have to do PM2 or whatever. But I'll tell you, as of today, they just finished their second FAST test. Mm -hmm. So in three weeks, two weeks, they're going to be taking an eye-ready test. So that's not really less testing. Whoever's listening to that, I just want to say that's not less testing. Um, just because you put a timer on it and they have to finish it in a certain amount of time doesn't mean it's less testing. So I'm feeling a little sassy, Laura. I'm just good. saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I'm full of sass too. My next question is, how about, I want to talk about assessing for a second. Because I know you talked about five practices and using BTC, but does like our district in Palm Beach County, we have to use their district created unit assessments and unit quizzes. Does your district have anything like that? Or do you get to have like complete freedom over what you're assessing in the trimester or are you on trimesters or quarters?
1: We're on quarters.
0: Okay, so do you have complete freedom of that kind of assessment?
1: So are you are you referring more to like the end of a topic? So if we have a certain kind of a textbook, yes. Yes. that will remain nameless at the end of the topic. There's a test. So that's suggested, and honestly, I'm one of the I'm one of the ones help set the pace for that, just as a guideline. But it's a flexible guideline. Here's a topic assessment that we that we think well, we're editing them now. So (laughs) we obviously found some, you know, things that were questionable, but we're editing them and trying to make them better. And then saying, here's something that everybody can use if you don't want to use. There's guidance, but people have um, a choice.
0: Okay. Wow. That's completely different than my district. So that's good (laughs) for you. (laughs) You know, one question I always ask anyone that I meet, like, what are you reading right now? as far as professional?
1: I think I probably, I'm in the middle of like five things. Of course. (laughs) I have a book in my bag and a book in the car and a book on my shelf. and Because I'm in the middle of building thinking classrooms. I'm in the middle of catalyzing change in elementary. I'm actually in the middle of a book called Advocacy. um, Because that's been my, that's been a big thing for me lately. And that's part of why I went to go back in a classroom. It, It is for my son. I do have personal reasons for wanting to go back and do what's best for my kid. But I also feel like we're in this space where when we ask questions about why we have to do things, we're told, well, the state is mandating it. But then if you ask the state, the state said, well, this is pretty, here's what we suggested, like here's an option for you, but state or districts get to pick what that looks like. So there's this in between, which I got really frustrated being in a space where we're making things harder for teachers. That's what is happening. The districts get a mandate, and they're like, "We have to do this." But guess what? Districts can pick what that looks like because the state, we, you know, they said we need this to get done, but you can pick how it's getting done. And that's like that for so many things because we're local control. So, I, I'm, I'm really tired of making things harder on teachers. And um, one of that's why I said I felt confident going back into the classroom and saying. I don't think that I need to do this because this is a mandate, sure, but I am already doing best practices that check that box. And when you have people at certain positions that don't fully understand math education, they aren't making informed decisions because they don't really understand math. So then they're telling us how to teach in our classrooms. I've just had enough of that. So it was really easy for me to walk away from my dream job, I might add. I've always dreamed of being where I'm at. And I also love um, teaching kids. I love working with them. I also loved working with the adults I was working with because they were having these, you know, math trauma moments as a child and then coming into a PLC or a professional development and leaving and saying, this was awesome. I wish I'd learned this as a kid. And so that is how you affect change for future kids but you know so both I'm I'm equally in love with both and it was really sad for me to have to walk away but I I can like keep watching that so
0: That's awesome. You know you're going to get tapped immensely to run like PLCs and PDs on PD days and and I mean it's going to be a great thing for the teachers in your school. How big is your school?
1: Um it's tiny. I think it's well, they, we've had an influx of everyone coming to our county because we were a very small county. So, I want to say we're around 600 kids right now. Okay. so it's not huge. Yeah,
0: my school we're at we're just less than 500 right now. So, I totally understand yeah. that, which is a good thing and a bad thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> for multiple. Well, resources. the development.
1: Yeah, the developers haven't hit that area yet but they are they are all over the rest of the county so all the other schools are just busting at the seams so
0: okay awesome do you want to leave our listeners with any words of encouragement or something that you know you're looking forward to before i give out the challenge
1: ooh i might have needed some prep time for that On <laughs> the top of your head <laughs> i think the encouragement part I think um, I would say to not be afraid to speak up. And I think we need more teachers need to speak up. Um, And I, and when I say speak up, I mean, advocate for yourself in a way that gets people to listen to you because advocacy is about speaking in a way that gets people to listen. If you're you're throwing a temper tantrum. That's not going to help. Believe me, I've tried that avenue too. Um, me too. But being able to make a good case and in a concise way that that helps people outside of math understand your point. That's currently where I'm sitting with it. Uh, and I, I, but more than one person. I can't be the only person. You know, it has to be. Every time somebody asks me something um, or tells me something they're struggling with, I'm um, speak up tell so and so about it this is the person you can tell because they hear from me all the time so i would say that don't be afraid to advocate for yourself about what you need and don't be afraid to ask questions i ask questions in an exhaustive way though people see me coming and they're like shoot she's coming down the hall again she's going to ask me all these questions and yes yes i am i'm going to ask you questions until i'm satisfied with the answers and i i want to know why So, and you know what, as teachers, you deserve that. You deserve to know why. So I I don't know, not too bad for off the cuff. Not
0: bad at (laughs) all. Uh, I was going to say hashtag math rebel for the win there. Yes. And so I'm going to jump into our challenge listeners. We're only two episodes away from episode 100, where we have been asking everyone to fill out our Google form of your most memorable or funniest teaching moment so that we can share that and make episode 100 super duper fun. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag #LearningThroughMath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a
1: pleasure to talk to you. To you too. Thank you.